This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening in, as usual. Uh, I have a special guest today, a good friend of mine, Emil Amani, and he has been on the show before. He uh, has a fascinating website called the Emil Amani Freedom Initiative, and uh, I'll get, you, get him to give you the information on how to get to that website uh, several times during the show. But he is an expert in Sharia law, among other things, and I go to his website frequently to, to read his blog, and uh, uh, he's, he's come out with some fascinating books uh, that uh, everybody needs to take a look at. And uh, the reason that, you know, I've had him on before to talk about Sharia law and about the caliphate and that sort of thing, and we'll talk about that some today, but the first re- main reason I got him on here is that about a little over a week ago, there was a terrorist attack. And it was not in France, it was not in Belgium, it was not in Denmark. It was right here in the United States. It was in Garland, Texas, which is just about 70 miles from the spot in East Texas where I live. And I go through Garland all the time. It was in Garland, Texas, and uh, there was a uh, Draw Mohammed contest going on there, uh, which was in response to... First of all, the terrorist attacks on Charlie Hebdo, the magazine in France, and also in, just to to say that we, you know, we have free speech in this country because the Garland ISD, the Independent School District, had allowed a pro-Islam group to several groups have a conference there in which they complained about their their mistreatment and called for Sharia law and this sort of thing. And Pamela Geller put this together, and Emil, you were there. Uh, tell us about the conference to begin with, what it was all about, and then what happened that night. Well, Michael, thank you very much for having me again. Uh, yes, as you stated, I was at the event, and uh, you know, I've, I have uh, I have gone to many events that uh, Pamela Giller and Robert Spencer have had, and other events in the country. But for some reason, I had a odd feelings towards this one because of the fact of what I witnessed it was recent about Charlie Hebdo, as you know, um, Muslims get offended by drawing a picture of Muhammad. Uh, but I was looking forward to be part of the uh, group and in support of the freedom of speech and First Amendment. Uh, it was, when, I, when I went there, it was pretty intense. It was, you could tell as you were driving inside the entrance of the convention center, you could tell that it was well protected. We had the Garland Police Department there stationed. SWAT team, you could see as you were walking in, they were, you could say they were asking you many questions. You have to show IDs and, and, and your tickets, and then they'll direct you where you were supposed to be parking, get inside, and a metal detector. And I was pretty intense. It was, it was almost like more, more so than you go to the checkpoints in the airport airport, uh, but you could tell there is something more into it. The atmosphere was very intense. So as I got inside, um, people were there, gathered, a lot of patriotic Americans in defense of freedom. Um, we had Good Wilder of the Netherlands speaking, and speak be- spoke beautifully, uh, Robert Spencer, Pamela Geller, and then Bosch in the cartoonist who won the award. Um, as we, we, the whole event really went smooth, and people were very enthusiastic, 
and inside the uh, arena uh, until towards the end when uh, everybody said goodbye and they were about to gather and all of a sudden we hear uh, people rushing inside the room as shots have been fired. So it was like, uh, it was a, a moment of um, the slow motion that you don't know what to believe. It was just like, uh, it was a very, very uh, weird feeling. And then uh, one of the SWAT team gentlemen came over there and in the microphone and tell the, they've been shot in the fire, one police officer has been shot and uh, he's rushed to the hospital and the assailants were down. So we thought it was very serious. So, but everybody was very, very uh, quiet. There was no panic. There was nothing. Everybody was professional, did an outstanding job, stayed there calm until for half an hour inside the room. And then they came, came and took us to in the middle of the convention. It looked like a basketball court arena uh, to be more protected. So, and then we, we, and as we were just thinking, things were start settling. And then I'll, we kind of found out these two guys actually came to kill us, to create a massive carnage out of us. And uh, so we really started looking at our uh, cell phones and, and iPads to see if anybody has got any news. And then sure enough, we saw CNN and others were reporting that it's been an attack. We were really, we found out that uh, two uh, gunmen, two jihadis were shot dead. And then uh, one of the officers was hurt in the ankle. So we knew it was pretty serious, and then um, they eventually transfer us to a more secure place, and they had no idea whether there are going to be bombs around that building, there by the cars, the vehicles. So it was a state of uh, emergency that we had to abide by, put in the bus to take us to a really undisclosed location and uh, to make sure everything is okay. And then eventually, we ended up going home at late night, and then uh, we had to come back to get our vehicles uh, later on. So that was the basic, the basic of it, and, and I'm sure everybody knows what happened after that. Well, the, uh, I understand that, you know, like you said, people were very calm, and at one point they were singing the national anthem and, and uh, praying for the, uh, the police officer who was shot. And, of course, we had that uh, terrific police officer who, with a pistol, now these two, these guys, these two jihadists, had semi-automatic weapons and body armor, and yet this cop took them both out with a pistol. Uh, this guy, I don't know who he is, and I, I'm glad they're not releasing his identity. But uh, I'd like to shake his hand sometime because that's that's some serious shooting. But the you were there for the entire meeting, weren't you? Correct. I was there from the very beginning towards the end. Uh, uh, like I said at the beginning, um, I rely heavily on situational awareness because it's something that I've always done. I have attended many meetings that I, I speak because of the numerous death threats that I have received. Uh, I have to be uh, watch out and where I'm going, who is there. So I've become more aware of my situation, where I am, who is there. And so I, I paid attention and I have... I've, develop this little, you call it vibes, you call it whatever it is, it's just the certain vibes I had towards this, but I was hoping nothing like this would happen, but sure enough, but uh, two, two guys inspired by the ISIS 
uh, I would say the, the, the social media of ISIS developing these videos is inspiring uh, homegrown terrorists and lone wolves style type of thing, and which, by the way, I think is going to be more of attacks like that. I think they were not professional. I don't think they really thought about this because they, what they did was not really uh, of someone that be patient and start massive casualty. I believe they were amateurs and they just watched some videos of the ISIS and then rushed here and drove here from Arizona for a thousand miles just to do that. But they didn't do. I mean, if they were uh, really organized, they could have really caused massive casualty, but they were amateurs. Yeah, I, I gather that too. But of course, the amateurs could sometimes be more dangerous because they could be more foolhardy and, and everything. Who you said you've received death threats over the years from who and, and why? Do you know? I, I don't. I don't. I, well, uh, you know, when I started this in like um, uh, more than a decade ago, uh, I've been before even in, in internet really became prevalent. I was writing about Islam, warning people, and uh, back all the before nine eleven, people really didn't pay attention. And whatever I spoke about the threat of Iran because of the fact that I was I am from Iran, because of the fact that in my country of Iran that I was born, we have seen so many radical Islamists, and we've been by the way we've been fighting Islam for the past fourteen hundred years. So every Iranian, every true Iranian, understands the threat of Islam. So it's very a taboo to talk about uh, the, the the holy places or holy pictures of, of certain uh, prophets or perhaps imams of the Shias. So I knew, I had idea, I knew what was going on. So I, I tried to enlighten my fellow Americans a long time before anybody even wanted to talk about it. So I got a really under attack, not only by, by radical Muslims, by Muslims, or by anybody, but most, and many Christians even attacked me. Not death threats, but attacked me. They said, why are you arguing, why are you saying something bad about another religion. So nobody really knew Islam, and I think 9-11 was a, a small wake-up wake call, and then I became more active, more vocal, and then writings go right. So I get a lot of very, uh, you know, regular basis on email, and uh, that, that they will know, they know where I live, they will want to cut my head and give it to my mother and eat it, for example, and things like that, and then uh, several emails. So, I, of course, I re I reported this to FBI, and, uh, and nothing uh, personal person, but a lot of lot of uh, email threats uh, that that I could tell. There, you know, some people knew where I was because they were indicating where I live and and other things. So I had to move several times, change phone numbers. So I knew that I know the situation. So eventually. Uh, I, the death threats have diminished, and I think because a lot of Americans are right now know about the threat of Islam. I mean, I mean, it's, it's a little different now than it was in the past. Well, I think this is, is coming, and uh, yeah. I think that uh, you're one of the major reasons. But let me ask you this. Some of the news media, and it's well, CNN, MSNBC, uh, you know, uh, Chris Matthews, who's the resident idiot, Billy started MSC, immediately came out and didn't actually defend the jihadists, but just excused what they did because Pamela Geller had put together a program of hate speech. 
and this was CNN was saying sort of the same thing. Now you were there. You were there for the entire program. Did you see anything there that you would have considered hate speech? Absolutely not. And you know, there is, in fact, it, it, this is a creation by the elitists in this country and the Muslims they call Islamophobia. There's no rationality about phobia. This is the creation of the left. It's the same thing they're doing to, you know, their their dreamies, and they're allying themselves with the terrorists. I did not, absolutely, there are people, Pamela Geller is the most sensitive and wonderful individual I have ever met in my life. So is, so is everybody who talks, but nobody hates Muslims. It's not about hate. We just love our country and our freedom. And if we want to defend it, that all comes down, boils down to it. We do not want America to become another third world country like Saudi Arabia and uh, Syria or, or even Iran or, or other places. This country needs to be protected by individuals who care for it. We're going to take our first break and talk more about that when we get back. So let's get our break now. Okay. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Okay, Emil, before we took the break, you were starting to talk about you didn't want to see this country go down the same road as other countries in the world, particularly those in the Middle East, and also in, in Europe. You know, I see the, the European countries bending over backwards to be politically correct to the Muslim community, even the radical Muslim community. And as a result, you get things like the Charlie Hebdo shooting and, uh, you know, a very dangerous situation, particularly when we have the President of the United States importing as immigrants, thousands, maybe several million people from places like Syria and Yemen and bring them into this country with no vetting process whatsoever, uh, no review of who these people are, what their connections may have been in their home countries, whether they were terrorists, whether they were uh, connected with some organization there, or whether they were connected with the Assad government, for example, in Syria. So 
these people are being dumped on their own communities, and do you see us heading down the same direction as countries in Europe like France and uh, Spain and Portugal and even England? Uh, Michael, I was just reading an article today. I posted it on my Facebook. There's been, I think I discussed this issue with you uh, my last time I spoke with you. It's uh, something that I'm going to do some more research on it. We have given, right after, after 9-11 till now, 1,628,854 green cards to people from Muslim countries here. To the green card. How, how does this process happen? This is very interesting. It's a very important issue that we need to touch on that one. Uh, a lot of people get, get into a lottery uh, from around the world. I think we used to give 200000 a year, or, or I don't know exactly the number now, uh, just giving it away. There are people who fill out this, this uh, questionnaire and, or, uh, or application, and we, after a year or two or three or four, whenever the time comes, maybe 10 years sometimes, we send it directly, ask them a letter to the person's residence, wherever they might be. Okay, you've been accepted to come to the United States. We have no idea this person's background. We've not vetted anybody. We've no idea what they're going. And these are mostly cultural Muslims. These are the people who are traditionally, could, could be tied to many uh, Islamists around the world. But we have no idea, because they filled out something five, ten years ago. Now they're accepted. We allow them, okay, we'll say, okay, we got gotcha. you. Come over here from Syria. Come here from Baghdad. Come here from Somalia. Anywhere. I mean, over a million and a half uh, people have been here without us really back checking their backgrounds whatsoever. They're coming over here. What do we expect to have? What do we expect when we invite Muslims coming to this country? They bring their baggage with them. They're not coming here uh, from when the moment they're babies so they can be raised in the United States. They do not assimilate. Look what's going on in France, England. There's only 10% of population. Some place in ours is about less than 0.6% of the population in this country. They're doing it like that now. Just imagine once the population of Muslims becomes 2% or 5%. It's just we have to really kiss our freedom goodbye. It, it, it's our fault. It's our immigration's fault. It's the fault of, of the United States government allowing this to happen. When they didn't want to come, we give them, who's giving them green cards and why? Why, why do we just do that? Why do we shoot ourselves in our foot? It's our fault. We need to put a stop on it. Now we have a white border open. We, they're coming from tri-borders in uh, South America, making to Latin America, cross-border Mexico or Arizona or California, all the way here, and there are uh, sleeper cells all over this country. We allowed it to happen. And same thing, the British allowed the Muslims to go there from Pakistan, India, and others. Now there are second and third generations. They don't have any allegiance to the British or the French or the Belgium or Swedish. They want Islamic rule. This is the same thing happening here. They're waiting for the population to grow. They, they're going to be exact the same. We're going exact the same path as the Europeans. And if, I mean, it, it's, it's our fault. It's our politicians' fault. It's our people. People should stand for this. We need to stop it. If we don't do that, I promise you, the, the incident in Garland was just a tipping point. There's nothing. There will be thousands of massacres in this country. This is just the beginning of it. 
And it's, it's our fault. It's not their fault. We know what they are. We know that the law enforcement knows. The FBI knows. The CIA knows. Everybody knows. But they're not putting a stop to it. Nobody's doing it because they're, they're afraid of the political correctness. They fear that. And then, of course, the mainstream media is their allies. The same thing that are helping the, this president's agenda. They're allying themselves with anti-American agenda. And that's something we have to really pay attention to. Well, I know that, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. As a former military intelligence officer, I, I still have some contacts. And I've yeah. talked to people who are, are on the Texas border. And, of course, you you and I both live in Texas, so uh, we're pretty much on ground zero when it comes to the yeah. illegals crossing the border. And my personal opinion, it was not my opinion, it's, it's what's been substantiated to me by others, is that we have large numbers of potential terrorists from countries like Yemen, Somalia, Iran, Syria, Iraq, crossing our borders. Now, two years ago, I was told that they were catching about one out of every ten of these people, they thought. Uh, nine out of ten were making it across the border. Now, the estimate, because the border is so wide open, they estimate that they're probably not catching one out of a hundred. So, my opinion is that we have not only ISIS homegrown terrorists in this country, probably thousands of them now, that are being recruited on the Internet. But here in Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and Southern California, I think we have both cells of ISIS operators from other countries and al-Qaeda operators. What do you think about that? I agree with you 100%. And uh, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned that about the southern borders. In fact, as you know, I'm, I'm working on my uh, uh, master's in Homeland Security. One of the uh, assignments that I'm working on my thesis is about uh, um, understanding and identification and the treatment of the special interest aliens. I'm not saying OTMs. It's OTMs other than Mexicans, but SIA, special interest aliens that are coming from tri-border. They are becoming, uh, they, they, it's a very interesting one. This, once I finish this, I will send it to you a copy. Uh, it's, gonna, it's not only focusing on OTMs per se, but rather a subset tagged special interest aliens by the Department of Homeland Security. They come here from special interest countries, SIC. Uh, SIAs are illegal immigrants who are believed to be terrorists. They are planning attacks against us, and they are a force with which we will have to reckon. This, uh, this paper that I'm doing explains why the countries, from what countries they come from, and then uh, maybe uh, about to launch a devastating struck any kind of terrorist attack. So this is what I've been doing, and I'm trying to make sure uh, others will know and then I'm hopefully get this published at the university level. But the, 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 our, border is, our borders are wide open. I think when they allowed that so many children to come over here, I think that was a distraction. And, and that's something that we need to discuss, discuss next time. But this is, this is uh, our country is well open to any kind of terrorist attacks. I mean, anybody can do anything they wanted to. So this is where we're standing at the moment. Do you have, have any idea from, I know you have, you, like I said, you have your ear to the ground like I do, why this guy, one of these terrorists that attacked Darwin, had been on the FBI watch list for years. Uh, they were very suspicious of him. They knew he'd been connected with the ISIS in some way on the Internet or in some other fashion. Yet he was able to get in a car, first of all, 
as David mentioned during the break, where did he get the body armor? Where did they get the body armor? The weapons they could have acquired, uh, he should have been on the list of people who cannot purchase firearms, but obviously in this country that doesn't matter. You can get weapons illegally. Body armor is a little harder to get. I think it probably came across the border and was given to him by somebody. But, you know, why do you think that the FBI did not stop this guy and the other man he was with from getting in a car and driving a 1,000 miles to attack Garland when they supposedly, they, they claim they sent out a warning about these two people to the Garland police. The Garland police said they never got any such warning. Uh, they, they were expecting a possible attack, but none of the information had come from the FBI. So the FBI it didn't warn anybody, didn't stop these guys. You got any opinion about why they had that type of failure? Uh, it's the same thing happened to the Boston Marathon bombers. They knew of the existence of those guys, and they warned by Russian, and but we didn't do anything about it. We knew all of them, but and one word I want to tell you exactly why, because the FBI has been disarmed. He's been disarmed by this president. He's been everything that we've. They've been. I mean, people who've been training this FBI uh, with regards to Islam. They're not allowed to. A lot of people have been forced to resignation, and many generals have been forced to resignation under this uh, uh, this president. Anybody that knows anything about Islam and is teaching to the law enforcement has been forced to get out of the, or been fired or or resign or retirement. It, it's it's been disarmed. Everything to do with Islam has been expunged from the FBI uh, dictionary. Uh, so basically, FBI is afraid, like every other agency or, or people or, or in the media, uh, politicians, they're afraid to talk about the threat. They just wait until it happens. And, uh, but there have been a lot of cases. There have been a lot of cases they, uh, they stopped. I mean, like in New York, uh, issue they had, or the Seattle Christmas light guys. In so all this little, but they have been involved. But most, most of it is that they, they are humans, too. They fear of, of expressing something that is wrong in the society now, it's called political correctness. They're afraid to say anything. And then for someone, a woman of a stature of Pamela Geller comes to rise to the occasion and tells the truth, and she gets attacked by everybody in the mainstream media. And, and you can't. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's like a no-win situation. You want to protect the innocent lives but you get attacked directly from the mainstream leftist, uh, not even just leftist, look, more Donald Trump or uh, Bill O'Reilly. Uh, these people should know because, I mean, I can understand, Donald Trump's got a lot of, uh, probably dealing with a lot of Saudi Arabias, and he doesn't want to lose money, so he comes over and attacks Pamela Geller. So we help people here for self-interest. They attack the messenger. It says, don't tell us. Don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. So we, this, is, this, is, this comes back again why we, the FBI is not doing anything if they know something to stop it. Because the FBI really, they can't do anything until the attack has happened. It's just the way it is. Well, we're going to take a break again in a minute, but before we do, uh, why don't you give people the, your website, uh, the link to your website, so they can take a look at your blog and your books and everything. Uh, my website is just like my name, www.amilimani.com, and I've got numerous of articles regarding Islam and Sharia law. 
you got a couple of books too that you've written. What are they? I have I have two books I've written and I'm finished my other two, which will be published hopefully this year. Uh, one of them is called Obama Meets Ahmadinejad. It's a satire and a dialogue between Obama and Ahmadinejad, former president of the Islamic Republic. And in the, the dialogue, they talk about a lot of things that are related to current events and Shia and Sunni. And the other one is called Operation Persian Gulf. And there's a lot about nuclear Iran. Okay, great. Well, we'll take a break now and we'll talk some more in a few minutes. Thank Who you. is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, We're talking today to Emil Almani, who is a good friend of mine, who is an expert in Sharia law, who, in fact, was present at Garland, Texas, uh, a week ago Sunday when the uh, uh, attack took place at the free speech meeting, and he's given us a report on that. And we're talking now about the uh, other Islamic threats to this country right now, including uncontrolled immigration. But just before the break, Emil, you mentioned Pamela Geller, and uh, how is she holding up under all this? I mean, I know... Uh, I've never met Pamela, but I've read some of her works. I've kept up with her, and I admire and respect her. I don't always agree with everything she does, but but I admire and respect the fact that she's willing to step forward. Uh, you're good friends with her. Is I know there have been numerous attacks by the news media, like you say, even Bill O'Reilly's gotten in the act. And you know, I, I respect Fox News, but sometimes Bill O'Reilly can be an idiot, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, She's been under attack by the liberal news media. There have been death threats repeatedly by the Islamists, the jihadists. How's she holding up? You know what? I, I know her very well. I think she's a very um, brave lady, and she's holding up very well. And uh, she's a strong-willed woman. Nobody, none of these, none of these attacks would even haunt her. There's going to be a time, and I promise you that there will be a time. When the, even even the mainstream media 
they're going to see so much of this carnage in this country, they're going to come back and admit it, it was their fault. It, was, it would be like uh, uh, Winston Churchill versus, uh, what was the appeaser, the other form for uh, appeaser of, of the British, the appeaser of Hitler, remember? Uh, yeah, Chamberlain. No, the Noble other. Chamberlain. Yeah, was Chamberlain and Winston Churchill, Noah Chamberlain. So there was, there was going to be a time when then the whole country realizes that you can't deal with these radicals. You can It's not that. It's not there. It's not that. If you just be quiet, let them pray their own to their own Allah, they'll leave you alone. They have a mission here. It's something American people must understand. They have a mission. There is a reason for them here. Yes, there's a few of them that really like to they have, be left alone, do their own thing. They, don't, they have their own Quran. They don't practice it like it's actually supposed to be practiced. So in, in, in essence, they are basically an apostate because they really are not doing. Those are the people we call peaceful Muslims because they have never read the Quran. And they're just nominal, an Islam Muslim by name only. So those are people who are always going to be there. But in essential, when the population increases in this country, they become more vocal and demand more rights, and they want to have their own separate laws, separate everything. Eventually, there's going to be massive, massive. There's going to be bombs. I, I predict in the future, when maybe next 10, 15 years, there'll be bombs in the mall. It's going to be in grocery stores. Nowhere is safe anymore. Because it, it goes back again, we allowed it to happen. It's not their fault. I know what Muslims do. I mean, there are, there are, all they're doing is following the footsteps of their prophet. So they say, this is by, this, our religion tells us to do this. They're offended by everything. They're offended by you being a Jew. They're offended by you be, be, a, be a Christian. They're offended by you eating pork. They're offended with, by drawing Muhammad. It's not one thing. They're offended by Shia, Shia is offended by Sunnis. They're offended on, on, with everything. So is this the best thing we should do and understand? Is, is not a clash of civilization. It's a clash of civilization versus barbarism. We have barbaric people in this country. They cannot assimilate. Their only reason they're here is to destroy this country from within. That's the all. Oh, and we, we allowed it to happen. We're bringing more Muslims here. We should have learned from 9-11. It's the, this is the voice that I've been saying. And, and this Pamela Gere is defending the freedom of the speech. Robert Spencer is defending the freedom of speech of the Western civilization. Gert Wilders is the same one. Anybody who speaks the truth has been verified by the mainstream media. Anytime you say anything, they verify you. They don't go after the terrorists. They go after the freedom-loving people. How dare you speak bad about Muslims? How dare you? And you know what? We're not talking bad about Muslims. We're after an ideology. You know, a Muslim, Islam is like a virus. Once you're infected, we have to do everything to cure you. I mean, that's how bad it is once you are... Honestly... I, this is my stuff I go around and say, because I was born in Iran. I can say it, because I've seen it with my own eyes all my life. Well, if you are a Muslim, if you are a subscriber to an ideology, let's say you subscribe to Playboy magazine. Okay, you pay for it to read whatever content, in the, then you, are, you probably enjoy reading Playboy magazine. That's why you subscribe. That's why you paid for it. So the same thing with Islam. If you're a subscriber, then you are 
a Muslim and believe everything Muhammad did and said and everything. So in, in other words, you are a potential terrorist. Because if you believe in Islam, you must believe in terrorism. And, and a good part of that, I think we discussed this last time, Prophet Muhammad himself said, he says that, he says, I became victorious by creating terror into the hearts of unbelievers. What is he saying? He didn't say, I became victorious by sending flowers to everyone's house around the world so they can invite him to come to Islam. No, I killed everybody. I destroyed lives. I massive carnage. That's how I won. Whoever is going to follow me must do the same until everybody on earth becomes a Muslim. Isn't because that exactly not. what the Muslim Brotherhood is, is, is pushing? That they that's, want worldwide Sharia law? Absolutely. It's the same thing. A Muslim Brotherhood has thousands of derivatives. Every, every chapter of CARE, a Council of American Islamic Relations in the country, and other chapters here, ESNA, ISNA, ECNA, you know, American, North American, whatever, every little thousands of things that pop up on a daily basis is part of the greater Muslim Brotherhood. And, and, then, uh, and on top of that, they have millions of them around. And then also, they vie with the Shias. So Islamic Republic of Iran is trying to not left behind because, as you know, 80% of all Muslims are Sunnis, and then only maybe 20% or maybe 25, 25, 20% of them are Shias. It's 100, 250 million Shias all over the world, and uh, 1.2 some billion Sunnis. So uh, Iran does not want to be left alone. So they have their own versions of it around the world. They they have their own mosque in, in this country and, and Europe, and they have their own people. They're sending people in all South America, Latin America, Africa, all the trying to bring as many as they, this is a numbers number game. They have to have as many shares, and then Saudi Arabia trying to say all this dollars everywhere else to create more mosques to bring more. So it's a fight between them. And it's a fight, both of them, against us. Well, I want you to give out your... I want everybody, first of all, to go get a pen and something to write on, because in a minute I'm going to have Emil give out his information again about his website and about his books, because it's important that you follow this man. Uh, he's been a friend of mine for several years now. Uh, we work with a lot of the same people in the intelligence community. Uh, we belong to an organization where we get frequent briefings on what's going on, and... Uh, Emil knows what he's, what he's talking about. So everybody get a pen and paper. Before we go and have you do that, Emil, uh, tell me, what, what's a, a caliphate? A lot of people don't understand that term. So uh, you caliphate is an Arabic name. Yeah, it's, it's an Arabic name. He's a leader of Islamic world. Uh, it's... it's it's not like an imam. It's like a, basically means leader of the Islamic world. And as you know, the last caliphate uh, was uh, gone after the Ottoman Empire was uh, decimated. So that's no more caliphate. And then the Kamal Ataturk of the Turkey came over here and abolished that caliphate. So uh, ever since, I think it was 1920s, uh, ever since there's been a dream even even the Turkeys, as you know, they're trying to revive uh, what they had. It's been a dream of the Muslims to have the same uh, caliphate leading the entire Islamic world, and they they want to go back to the original thought of the Prophet. 
So the caliphate means a leader of Islamic world. Uh, the, the guy al-Baghdadi calls himself a caliphate because he wants, he thinks that would create people to join him, eventually Syria, Iraq, and eventually other, he, they're hoping to overthrow Saudi Arabia to get Saudi Arabia. They, they want to do the carbon copy of the prophet. How fast prophet and his allies in the army win all over the Middle East and going all the way to India and China from one end to the other side, going all the way to France and Spain. And finally, we have to defeat him all the way after a century later from gates of Vienna. Uh, so they want a worldwide caliphate. This is their mission. This is their dream. Every Muslim in the world dreams about it. Even those people who would call it so-called moderate or a peaceful people in this country, they dream about it. Honestly, in my honest opinion, because I've been on the other side, I can say that confidently. Uh, every Muslim, let's say, let's say the events of 9-11, a lot of Muslims came here and condemned it. When, but in their hearts, they were very happy. They said America deserved that. Even all, I would say, 80 to 90 percent of all Muslims in this country, they said, I'm talking about in this country, not, not all over the world, of course they did. In this country are happy whenever somebody blows up an American anywhere. These are the sleeping enemies we have in our country, and they have been multiplying since the 2008 presidency of, of Hussein, Barack Hussein Obama. Well, that's uh, certainly true. Go ahead and give us out your information and get a meal so that people can write yes, down. Absolutely. Amil, I spell it for you Amil, A M I L, Imani, I M, like Mary, A N, like Nancy, I, AmilImani.com. That's my website. I have been writing things in there for the past uh, 15 years. Uh, there are ample articles related to different issues. Um, they can find it very interesting. Please, uh, please uh, go ahead and mention your books again, too, while we have the uh, Yes, uh, one more time. Uh, the two books I've already published is Obama Meets Ahmadinejad, and the other book is Operation Persian Gulf. My third book should be coming out probably by the end of this year is called Islam Was Not For Me and I have uh, uh, another article, another book I'm working for is Understanding ISIS so it should come out probably sometimes and investigating into this how they developed how they, be, they became what they are so we're working on it right now you're also available to make speeches to groups aren't you am I what I'm sorry you're available to make speeches to various yes, groups? Yes, yes. I, I do go around the country, and a lot of people have asked me, and I go anywhere. They, um, As long as they have provided security, I'll go and speak the truth. I will go speak the truth about Islam. I'll go speak the truth about any issues related to national security of this country. All right. Well, let's take our final break now, and then we'll talk some more in a few minutes. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate 
on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back for our final segment, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I have as my guest Emil Amani. And Emil is a good friend and a uh, solid believer in the ideals of this country. He also is an expert on Sharia law and on radical jihadists and on the Muslim religion in general. And uh, we're going to talk some more in a minute about Sharia law, but let me tell you this. Let me get off subject for a minute. I am going to be posting in the next 48 hours a new article to my blog. Uh, you know, I've been working on the veterans and the being denied their Second Amendment rights and this sort of thing for several years now. And we have recently, we've been uncovering more and more information. And I recently have gotten some other, uncovered some information from some veterans out there that's brought it all together. We now know exactly what's happening in this country, uh, how they intend to take away our Second Amendment rights, and we're not just talking about the veterans. This is a vast conglomerate of federal agencies and private groups, and I'm going to lay it all out in a new blog article. And it will be posted in the next 48 hours at uh, Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, dot Jigsy, J-I-G-S-Y, dot com. Uh, please take a look at it, post it, because I think this is the first time that anybody's brought together everything is happening. A lot of people know the fuel stuff that's going on. But this lays it all out. And, and I frankly scared myself writing this article. So uh, anyway, take a look at it when you get a chance at michaelconnolly.jigsy.com. Now, Neil, let's go. We've talked about this before when we've had you on the show, but it's something that always fascinates people. So I want to use our final segment to talk about it some more. Tell us about Sharia law. What exactly is it? What does it mean to women, to non-Muslims? Uh, what what did they do to enforce it? Uh, Sharia law, uh, Islamic rules, it's not a law, it's rule, because it's, I think it's a misnomer. 
to call it a law because this is a dogma stipulating certain rules upon Muslims. Uh, laws is what we have. They they have uh, forceful dogma. Uh, Islamic law, Sharia law, is a comprehensive uh, code of Islamic jurisprudence, purportedly based on the Quran and Hadith, which is the saying of the Prophet of Islam. Uh, and then uh, this is something that is I've been saying it for a long time. Uh, there are no common principles or areas of agreement between American law and Sharia law. On the Sharia law, the United States Constitution is considered a man-made document of ignorance. On the contrary, it is Sharia law that maintains 14 centuries of ignorance and bypasses the three separate branches of government uh, embodied in the American Constitution and combined into one. Uh, it is a political, cultural, militaristic, religious monolith encompassing all of human life. It enacts laws as it sees fit, adjudicates laws, and executes as it deems. Uh, Sharia law is anathema to the provisions of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, especially freedom of speech, because there is, no, there is none, and much, 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 much more. I cannot overstate the dangers of Sharia law and its insidious, creeping nature. Uh, Sharia law is a monumental threat to the laws that are grantors of our liberty. Uh, look at the operation of women, for one, is uh, so systemic in Islam that to this day, women are at best second-class citizens under this law. Saudi Arabia, for example, the custodian of Islamism denies women the right to drive, vote, or hold elective offices, the most basic rights of a citizen in a, domestic, in a democratic society. Uh, with Sharia law, there is no freedom of religion. There is no, under the Sharia law, there is no freedom of religion. There is no freedom of speech or freedom of thought, freedom of artistic expression. There is no freedom of press and a lot more. Um, and then, basically, uh, uh, other rules, for example, uh, requirement of a woman to obtain permission from a husband, that's a Sharia law, beating of a disobedient woman and girls, Sharia law, execution of homosexual is part of the Sharia law, engagement of polygamy and forced child marriages, part of the Sharia law, um, Requiring of a testimony of four male witnesses to prove a rape as part of the Sharia law. A stoning of adulterers is part of the Sharia law. Lashing of adulterers, amputation of body for criminal offenses, female genital mutilation, FGM. Capital punishment for those who slander or insult Islam is part of the Sharia law. Execution of apostates, people like myself, or those that leave religion of Islam. Inferior status for all non-Muslims, known as dimitude. The concept of takia, lying. A Muslim may lie or deceive others to advance the cause of Islam. So every 
the problem issue we're having here, we don't know what we're talking to a Muslim that's telling you the truth about anything because they're using, they're having a law called takia. They can say, okay, I was under pressure by the West and I had no choice but to lie to defend Islam. So they can do anything they want to know in the name of Islam. So well, we that, have, yes. You know, we have something, you know, recently has occurred here in Texas, and I wanted to ask you about this while we still got time. Uh, supposedly, an imam here in the Dallas area has created a Sharia law tribunal. And mm-hmm. this is supposedly, what exactly are they trying to do with this? And are they trying to override American courts? That's exactly right. There is one in Irving, Texas. They have, I don't even know, I think the mayor, uh, Beth Vine uh, of Irving, she she said there is no such thing here, but there are, and uh, and I know that, I did some research on it, it's basically this issues with financing, issues with uh, marriage, issues with punishment of uh, certain things within the tradition of Islam. They want they go to the court and say, Judge, this is something to do with our religion. This is nothing to do with the, anything to do with the law. This is something that has to be resolved within our community. So within the community, they create a tribunal as, as a court within a court of Islamic court. So an imam, a clergy, is leading the court uh, in uh, basically what trying to do is eventually to take, that's why people say to replace the constitution is the matter of population how many muslims are here the more muslims they have they're trying to have the more the faster they can go ahead and uh, resort to violence and trying to have uh, this become recognized by the u.s courts all over the country that's called sharia law everything that i mentioned earlier is part of that sharia law if some a woman they see for example a picture of, of a, a woman in a facebook with that with another man and they can go ahead and punish that woman for what she did and their honor killings and everything else they want the united states laws stays out of the business of ordinary muslims as if they're not coming, as if they don't live here in this country, as if they're not part of this. This is part of the greater Islamic Ummah, which is community of Islam. This is what is what Sharia law entails. Every little detail of a Muslim, since you know, from the moment this person is born to the moment the person dies, is being controlled by Sharia law or Islamic law or Islamic rules. Anything to do what are Islamic rules? The ones I just mentioned. You're not supposed to do, eat pork. You're not supposed to be driving cars. You're not supposed to, and, and a, a woman has to be submissive to the husband. All those things that you read in the Quran and in the Hadith and the life of Muhammad is applicable inside to, to be executed in anywhere on earth, irrespective of the law of the land of the country. So this is, that's why it's so important we have to create, to ban the Sharia law. Well, in fact, they're trying to enforce Sharia law on non-Muslims in places like Dearborn, Michigan, uh, where there's such a heavy Muslim population, Somalia population. So, so this is going on, and uh, people need to be aware of it. And Emil, we're about out of time. I, you know, okay. I could spend another hour with you easily, and, and we'll have you on again soon. And certainly, I'd love to see you get on some of the other shows uh, on the network here. One more time, tell people how they can get access to your website and about your books. Yes, uh, AmilImani.com. I spelled Emil, A-M-I-L. Imani is I-M-A-N-I. 
Facebook.com and my two books that have already been published called Obama Meets Ahmadinejad. And the other book is called Operation Persian Gulf. And my other book that Islam was not for me, I, I, I'm assuming that's going to be a pretty good hit and it should come out hopefully at the end of this year. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Neil, thank you very much, and please keep up the good work, and uh, let's stay in touch, and we'll have you on again soon. And thanks, Thanks. everybody, for listening in. Thank you very much, Michael. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.